you ever wonder how some of the greatest people today become who they are? Most everyone has experienced that turning point in their life. It's these moments that forever changed who they were into whom they've become. Today on The Moment with Chris Epting, you'll hear from these people and hopefully be inspired to find your own life-changing moment. Now, here is your host, Chris Epting. And thank you for joining me here on The Moment. You know, the one thing about the pandemic, it's it's obviously um, debilitated a lot of the arts industry, whether we're talking uh, television production, film production, but especially music, I think live music, that's been the one that's that's taken the biggest uh, the biggest hit. And for, for we fans, it's been the hardest too, because we're not getting to go out and enjoy uh, live music. On the flip side of that coin though, one thing the pandemic has resulted in are these really amazing kind of organic live performances that are being streamed into our homes and on our phones uh, all the time, it seems. And so it's really kind of spoiled us, I think, in terms of being able to enjoy, um, you know, legendary singers, up and coming singer, up, up and coming singers. And today, my guest is an up and coming singer with a connection to a legendary singer. I've had an opportunity to watch her perform and kind of watch her career the last couple of years, and I really enjoy her work. And her name is Lara Johnson. Lara, are you there? I am here. Hey, Chris, how's it going? It's good. It's good to talk. We haven't talked like real people in a long time. I know it has been a long time. Yeah, it's great. Great to hear your voice. You as well. And as I was saying, you know, you've, Laura, you've been, we'll talk about all the things you've been up to in your career, but you've really been busy in terms of uh, putting things out there and using social media as a means to still sort of grow as a singer. What's it been like for you? Because, um, you you know, you're very active from a recording standpoint, performance standpoint. When this thing hits from a singer standpoint, what's it been like for you, say, the last eight months or so since this all kicked in? Um, yeah, it's definitely been this weird kind of twilight zone thing where time has no meaning and <laughs> right. everything is just so, so bizarre. Um, but it's it's been a really good opportunity, I think, to examine, you know, okay, this is obviously a challenge to to what we do as as musicians, but how can we keep, you know, putting out music and stay productive and connect over, as you said, social media and um, you know, come up with ways to do live streams or um, you know, come up with fun, just fun content ideas. I think yeah. um it's it's been a fun in that way it's almost been a fun creative challenge like a a prompt almost um but yeah it is it is a very strange and different time and i'm just so grateful to be safe and healthy yeah well i think it also exactly knock on wood i think it also allows for you i would guess to create a relationship with listeners that's different than it was before in a way that's a lot more personal because now the connection is a lot tighter and you're reaching out, you know, as an artist in, in different ways. And I would, I don't know if you feel that from people, the response, but I mean, some of the things you've done have gotten a lot of great attention, a lot of numbers online of people watching. So do you feel like you're actually able to maybe expand people that are, are potential listeners, fans, followers, and things like that through all this? I think um, hopefully, I mean, Thank you for for saying that. I think it's, um, you know, just being able to hopefully provide some uplifting um, comfort in a, in a difficult time, or or just distract from what's going on, and because it's such a, you know, stressful and scary time. So hopefully, the music that you know, the videos I've done, or some of the live streams I've been fortunate to do, can kind of take people's minds off of of all of the drama and the mm-hmm. fear and um, anxiety and, and provide some joy, hopefully, and, and some, um, you know, just make people smile, um, make people feel like, you know, dancing or, or mm-hmm. singing along as cheesy as that sounds. I, I hope, you know, that that's <laughs> the ultimate goal is, is to hopefully do these and, and bring joy as much as I can. Are there are there things that you've been watching yourself that other artists have been doing that you've been particularly taken by or struck by or really enjoyed? Ooh, yeah, um, that's a good question. Let me think. What? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna think on that, and it, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get back no, to I you. Know, there's a lot of them. I know. I, if if you asked me, I would have to stop and kind of think about it as well. Um, talk a little bit about the ones you've done though that you've enjoyed the most or you've felt the most feedback from? Because there have been some really good ones. Are there a couple of pieces that you've worked on specifically that you felt really good about or felt really connected with people? Um, I think, you know, it's it's been 
it's been a really fun opportunity to jam with my dad and pick songs that we both love to cover. Like that's been a ball. Just by the way, we haven't said we haven't even said the familial. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, But you you happen to be coincidentally um, the daughter of Tom Johnston, founding member of the Doobie Brothers. Yeah. And we'll get into that later. But yeah, you you both have. created a really, I think, amazing father-daughter partnership. I said to your dad recently that to me, it feels like something that should be almost like maintained as a whole separate act once things are back to <laughs> But again, your chemistry is obviously great. The song selection is great. And you both bring, um, like, you, you seem like you get your passion from him in terms of what you bring to a song and really kind of making it your own. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I think Initially, when this when this all started and, and we were on a full on, you know, lockdown, stay inside, um, stay safe. It, it was kind of like, well, what can we do while we're while we're home? And, um, you know, there, there's always kind of this debate internally about like in my head and, and something that I talk about with, with both my parents is like, oh, maybe I should steer clear of doing things directly with my dad, because then you get that whole thing of, oh, you're just somebody's kid and riding on their coattails and all those connotations. But that being said, you know, it's, it's such a positive thing. And I'm, I'm such a huge fan of his, I admire him and respect him infinitely. And, and the fact is we were both home. So it was like, you know what, why not take advantage of that? And, and create some joy, hopefully. And, um, you know, That's what it it felt like. And it's funny because, you know, to me, I mean, your dad, I think when it comes to things like social media, he's kind of old school. It's probably not something he would have done. You know, it seems like the relationship was really what allowed him to kind of get into that and, and embrace that performance aspect of it right because he seems with you very comfortable obviously uh-huh. and in a way that you know maybe if you weren't there it's hard to just start doing that stuff and i think right. both seem to get lost in it in a way where you almost forget there's a camera on you and it's just uh-huh. <laughs> moment. yeah that's really what it felt like it felt like almost you know the feeling of being around a campfire or something i for lack of a better way to put it it was just like this these sort of spontaneous i mean yeah we'd be like okay let's pick this song and and we'll come together and, um, but, but doing it just felt so fun. It's like, we, you know, I grew up listening to great music around the house and kind of in the car on the way to school. And, and both my parents have, I love the music that they love. And so it, we had this kind of this great thing in common and it, it gave us a lot of joy too. It was like, you know, just, it's such there's nothing better than than doing music with people that you love and it lifts your spirits and and um yeah so it was really really a cool thing that I'm grateful we got to do. What would you hear growing up when you mentioned that what sorts of things were the influential pieces of music that really got in your ear early? A lot of um a lot of soul, a lot of Motown. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of, you know, there was I'm trying to think who some of the top. There was a lot of Otis Redding, a lot of Dr. John. Aretha Franklin, um, Stevie Wonder, The Beatles, um, Lee Dorsey. Uh, <laughs> uh, so much, I'm probably blanking. Oh, a lot of Cream. Um, all music that I adore to this day. And um, I'm so grateful. I, I really enjoy, you know, I, I, I love that stuff. So I'm really grateful that we share that and that he, that I had, you know, access to that kind of well, that's Beautiful. funny because it's, you know, I know your folks are both, you know, obviously not just in, in the business per se, but big music fans. And yeah. you know, I got to know you from working on with your dad on a project, kind of a yeah. project about the story of the band. And what you mentioned, it's funny because those are things, a lot of things he probably grew up listening to as well, whether yes. it's James, James Brown or the early blues yes. stuff, you know, early Motown. It's it's nice when that continuum can be there where that music, it's it's universal and it's timeless. And here we are, you know, 50, 60 years later, it sounds just as good and he can pass it along to you when you're growing up. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's such a gift. My gosh. I I I could spend hours and hours just kind of going down the rabbit hole of like Spotify and, and finding, you know, <laughs> Oh, this person was influenced by this person was, and then you find all this amazing music. It's just, there's, it's such a treasure. It really is. Laura, when did you first started getting the idea about singing yourself? I mean, obviously you grew up in a household where you're being taken on the road once in a while, you're exposed to, to rock and roll 
uh, you know, at a large level, you kind of get it, you know, you're seeing things that most people don't get to see in terms of the shows and the access and all that. But when not everybody decides they want to sing when they're around that, when does it start coming to you that this is something that, you know, you've got a gift for and that you want to pursue? Um, I remember when I was like seven, I saw Grease and was <laughs> immediately obsessed and I had the soundtrack on CD and I would sit on my bed. You know, that show, honestly, I think that show, it's sort of like when the Beatles first exploded in the 60s, that affected more young people. Right? I remember when it, when it came out, the, the first run, like in 77 or whatever, I was in high school and even then you knew that show, it was just, it was like mind control. I mean, it-, it, it Seriously. Yeah. And it's so funny because like, it's kind of adult themes, but for some reason it really spoke to like, I wasn't the only seven year old, like all of us in my class loved it. And um, I just remember like, particularly the ballads, I would just sort of bellow along to the ballads. Hopelessly devoted. (laughs) Exactly. And I don't know why, maybe I was a bit of a drama queen, but I just loved like. Well, even the one he he sang Sandy, right? Which is another kind of big ballad. Yes. Oh, so good. <laughs> so that's where you first, I mean, that's sort of the first, you know, thing when you start feeling like that's what I want to do. Yeah. I just remember I got this, there was a feeling that came from singing at the top of my lungs along with, you know, hopelessly devoted to you. And, and it just was this feeling that I became addicted to. And then also like, I remember listening to particularly Aretha Franklin and mm-hmm. just being bowled over by the emotion and the, the beauty, the just majestic gorgeousness of her voice and and how it made me feel and just feeling like, man, if I could if I could capture even a fraction of the way that makes me feel by, you know, singing along to her and and trying to emulate her as, you know, obviously she's unemulatable because she's so freaking incredible, one of the best voices of all time. But um yeah, it, it just I I was moved by by other voices and wanting to wanting to be a part of that feeling. And when do you start doing it? Like when does it start to crystallize where you realize, okay, there's a there's a path to doing this and I'm gonna take the path? Um, you know, that's a really good question. I think that for whatever reason, from from the time I was little, I always just wanted to do something in the arts, whether it was singing or acting or kind of a combination of the two. Um, I used to really enjoy theater. I kind of delved more fully into music as I grew up, but um, I just, I think from the time I was little, I, 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 it just was like, that's what I'm going to do. And there's no other, there's no other path (laughs) for me. Would you ask your back then would, is your dad somebody you would go to for advice and say, okay, I want to do this. What do I do? Or did you avoid that? Like, I know that's always a thing where, you know, you're obviously independent, you do your own thing, but you know, there obviously there is opportunity when someone who's in the business can at least give you advice or direction. How did you approach him with that? Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't until I was like 14 that I started thinking, Ooh, like, clock is ticking. I better, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is funny because, you know, that was, that was obviously a little premature, but, um, I, I think I went to him around that time and was kind of like, okay, like, this is what I want to do. I, what do I do? Like, how do I, like, what is your advice? And initially his advice was like, well, a, you need to be practicing every single day. If this is really what you want to do, like, cause I was also doing ballet at the time, which well, I think it's one of the most beautiful things. It was never a passion of mine. I never felt particularly good at it or I, I love watching it, but I didn't really love doing it. And so it was kind of like, I'm going to trim off the ballet and I'm going to be able to have that time to fully focus on music. And um, as he said, the practice of it, practicing your craft is so important and having respect for the craft of it. But then he also, on the other hand, was kind of like, you know what, this business is full of sharks and it's, it's, it's a very um, harsh place to, to get into, especially now. Um, And that was, that was, you know, back then, but, um, but I think the more I devoted myself to just the music end of it, he was like, okay, I see that this is your passion and, and um, I support, you know, whatever you want to do to try to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Would you, I mean, how much would it influence you as a, as a young person going to see the Doobie Brothers play? Um, you know, that's a very 
interesting question because I, I feel like I took it for granted for a long time because it was just all I ever knew. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what you grew up in. So Right. You know. Yeah. I don't think that it hit me until I got to be in my like late teens, just the, the magnitude of, wow, it's really amazing that my dad's been able to do this and that, that he's written songs that touch people all over the world and, and feeling really proud of him. Um, yeah. I, I think it kind of hit me around like 16, just, the magnitude of it and, and how proud I was and um, how amazing it is. Yeah. Laura, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to play something new that um, you've all been working on that I think is really special. My guest is Laura Johnston, singer, and I'm Chris Epting. This is The Moment, and we'll be back in just a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Chris Epting will be releasing the third edition of his best-selling baseball travel Bible, Roadside Baseball, in June 2019. Academy Award-nominated director Ken Burns said about Roadside Baseball, What a wonderful book. All the stations of the cross of our national pastime are here, big and small, telling and frivolous. I can imagine this book in the glove compartment of every true fan's car. A handy reference to this beloved game, no matter where in the country you are. The new edition features hundreds of new places to discover, more rare photos, stories, and trivia. It's everything you need to plan the baseball road trip of your dreams. Roadside Baseball, coming this June. Available for pre-order right now on Amazon.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You are listening to The Moment with Chris Epting. If you have a question or a comment about our show, please send an email to Chris at chrisepting.com. That's chris at chrisepting.com. Now, back to The Moment. I'm back with Lara Johnston, uh, a really terrific young singer who I've gotten to watch over the years um, through initially because I was working with her dad, Tom Johnston, newly inducted, inducted Rock and Roll Hall of Fame member. We should mention yes, that, Lara. Yes. Finally, about time, the Hall woke up and realized what they had missed all these years. <laughs> Um, but we were talking a little bit about, A, how the, the quarantine has affected singers like Laura. And just getting back to your career, Laura. So you're a teenager. You go to your dad. He kind of lays out the rules of the road, talking about hard work and discipline. And certainly, you know, watching him these last few years, he still maintains a really, really rigorous uh, discipline of playing and singing. And it's real craftsman at work. So yes. obviously that shapes your view of the world, where do you go next? How do you start? What's your, what's your t first sort of toe into the industry where you get into recording and then you end up going on the road with some other people too, which we could talk about, but what, what's your entree into the business after you get this advice from him? Um, I would say the immediately after it just translated to really, you know, buckling down and, and working and um, practicing and kind of, devoting myself to to the craft of it um but as far as really kind of trying to make a way into the industry i i did a, I did a show when i was 17 that was called rock the cradle and um it, it was you know it was an experience i i would i do it again i don't know it um i think i was still obviously so green and had so much development to do and so much practicing, more practicing to do. And, um, but that being said, it, I met some really lovely people and it was a really interesting adventure. And I think everything you do, whether, you know, it's something that seems like a real win or something that's more of a learning experience, everything translates to just, you know, stuff that shapes you and, and shows you, okay, I need to work harder in this area or, you know, this led me to this etc cetera, etc cetera. but um yeah so that was a show that involved the kids of musicians and um competing kind of like a singing competition um mm -hmm. format and um it was you know it was fun it was it was um as I said I think I was still very very green and 
Um, but I'm glad I did it and glad I met, you know, the people that I met and um, learned about, you know, the more you perform, the more experience you get in situations that are nerve wracking. And I think the better it makes you tougher. Um, and yeah, I'm rambling, but that's who, who, were the, <laughs> that was, who were the at that time when you're a late teenager, who were the contemporary singers at that time? You mentioned like an Aretha Franklin going back, but who were the singers of the day that you, you enjoyed or were inspired by or you know, oh if gosh. you were a couple like that? Yeah. I remember the first time I heard Christina Aguilera sing when I was um it was on the Mulan soundtrack. So this is taking it back a little bit, but sure. her voice totally was it just I was spellbound. Her voice is so just rich and full and there's it's incredible so she really inspired me a lot um and Beyonce oh my gosh um was was and and I'm still a huge fan of Beyonce um I think she has just such a gorgeous instrument and such amazing control of it and um so yeah I would say as far as contemporary singers go Christina and Beyonce were two Mm -hmm. big ones for me and then after that show, where do you go? I mean, what's sort of your next foray into things once you get through um, the show that you described? After that, I took a gap year between high school and college, and I really just focused on trying to get better at writing, um, songwriting, and I was actually doing some acting in that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did a play and kind of, you know, just really was trying to do as many creative things as I could and, and just grow and learn. And, and, um, and then I went to USC um, for their popular music program, which was another great experience that, you know, I particularly enjoyed the songwriting class because it really inspired me to open up and not be afraid to share the work that I created and, um, and have other people that were sharing their work and, and you could get feedback and it was very inspiring. Um, And, uh, that program was really good for, you know, just developing my skills as a writer and um, performer. And I'm, so that was awesome as well. And while I was in that program, I was continuing to write outside of school too, to do co-writes and, um, and do shows as much as possible, kind of played mm-hmm. a lot of clubs around LA and did that whole thing. Um, it's yeah. tough. I mean, that's a lot of work. I mean, just, just what you're describing, you know, it kind of break through coming out of school like that. It's uh, in, in Los Angeles. It's, it's, it's a tough nut to crack. It is tough. And I think that is sort of, that's the, that's the story of, of working to break in is it, it can take, you know, it can take a really long time and, and it can take a lot of, you know, failed starts or, you know, wrong decisions that lead to, better decisions that lead to, it's just, it's a lot of learning. It's a lot of growing. And um, I'm grateful for all the teachers that I've had along the way. Mm -hmm. You eventually make it down to Nashville, but that doesn't happen for a while, right? Yeah. um, I I did start going to Nashville. I think the first, I started first going there when I was in college, kind of on break, I would, I would go there and and do some writing. And um, then I sort of more seriously and more, Um, well, I started spending more and more time there in the last years, like in the last four years and, um, getting to know the writing community there. And, um, there's so many talented people. So that's that's a whole other universe, right? I mean, yeah, families in Nashville. It's a real, that's another whole scene. That's hard. Again, once you penetrate it, it's okay, but getting in there can be tough, huh? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, it's just a matter of, of, trying, you know, being very open-minded because eventually you will find people that you click with. And that's the biggest thing I think is finding people that musically you gel with and you have a good creative chemistry because that can be really tough to find. And, and um, it's so satisfying when you do. You're, you have a, a song you recorded recently is, I guess, part of a, a bigger project. You've been doing some recording. Let's talk about it because, you know, in terms of musical chemistry, Um, you know, your dad, along with Pat Simmons from the Doobie Brothers, they've been, you know, playing together for 50th year as a band, which is just incredible to think about. But there's other players that have been involved with their band. Billy Payne, the keyboard player from Little Feet, is now part of the Doobies, and John McVie and all these guys. Talk a little bit about what you've just recorded. And again, when I heard it recently, I I was just so knocked out by it. It's the first reason I wanted to talk to you, because it was... um, 
really beautiful. Why don't you talk about that song? You just did a video for it. Tell the story of how that came together. Then we'll, we'll play the song. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I, so the song is Way Over Yonder by Carol King. And um, are you a Carol King fan? I'm a huge Carol King fan. Like, um, tapestry, like what's your Carol King thing? I mean, is is there one album in particular, or just your full career, or? Yeah, so I mean, tapestry, of course, is life changing. Um, yeah. My That's mom records. Yes, it is. It's it's absolutely one of those records. Um, when my mom was was a girl, she told me she would listen to Tapestry in her room for just hours and hours, and she loved it so much. And so. On my 10th birthday, my mom gave me Tapestry. And I remember we would, I think we took a road trip and just listening to that CD and learning all the words. And I loved it so much. And um, I loved thinking that, you know, that was something that she listened to as a girl. And mm-hmm. and it's such an amazing record. It's it's so moving and it's so- Brilliant, yeah, one of the brilliant. best. It really is brilliant. I'm also a huge fan of her songwriting for, you know, like the song Up on a Roof or-, or um, any number of songs she wrote that were done by many other artists. She's such a brilliant writer. And um, gosh, I, so this song in particular, Way Over Yonder off of Tapestry, it, it's such a, a gorgeous song and ultimately a hopeful song. And um, it's a song I've loved for a long time, but it seemed particularly fitting for this year and kind of just, you know, mm-hmm. what, because because it speaks to resilience and it speaks to hope. And I think hope is, God, it's so crucial. It's so crucial to keep going. And, and um, so, yeah, it seemed like a, seemed like a good time to, to cover that song. So who's the band on the song? Well, I'm very, very fortunate <laughs> that I got to work with these guys. Oh my gosh. Um, so we've got Billy Payne on keys and organ. And Billy Payne, who's like, who's played on more records. Oh and more- man. For people who are unfamiliar, I mean, again, you know him whether you know him or not, but he is just one of the, in the pantheon of great American keyboard players of all time. And Billy yes. legendary. 100%. Yeah, he's so brilliant and his playing is so gorgeous. It oh, It's so moving. Um, yeah, so he, I'm really, really glad he did it. And um, we have Ed Toth on drums. Who's a Doobie Brothers drummer, great drummer. Yeah wonderful drummer and he played in vertical horizon which was like i was a big vertical horizon fan back in the day um he's yeah he's great and um then we have john cowan on bass known john since i was very small since i was like two i think and love him and his voice also i mean Obviously, he's a phenomenal bass player, but he's got one of the best voices I've heard. And he's he's another, I mean, to me, he's a real Doobie Brothers secret weapon. Yes. He brings so much to, to the contemporary sound. So much. He really does. Yeah. Um, he's amazing. And we have John McPhee, uh, <laughs> who, need I say more? I mean, the, the guy is, man, everything he he's got the Midas touch. He's so talented. He's so brilliant. Yeah, um, he's John, yeah, John McPhee and had a band back in the 70s called Clover, of which Huey Lewis was the lead singer. Yes, a that's great right. Band. And people, a lot of people don't realize, I mean, John, when, when Clover was over in England in the mid 70s, um, John actually plays on the first Elvis Costello record. He plays on a number of songs. He plays that guitar solo on oh, Allison. Cool. Oh, that's that is so cool! Like, I mean, ah, but again, another one of those guys like Billy Payne. Whether you know the name, you you've heard this guy so many times. Yes, and so versatile. So, you so you're basically a Doobie sister here. I mean, you've got like <laughs> the extended family behind you. Who else? Who else is in there? It did kind of work out that way, didn't it? Shoot, I am completely drawing a blank. I think that's everybody. It'll be so embarrassing if it's not. But let me think. So there's keys and organ, which is Billy. Bass, which is John Cowan, um, drums Ed Toth, John McPhee on that beautiful solo um, and accenting it, and he also mixed it and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, that's everyone, right? I think that's everyone. Was your dad, <laughs> was your dad on there? He's not, but you know he helped um, kind of get the project together because I had expressed interest in doing it, and mm-hmm. so he called the guys 
before I even knew he did it. And then he came. And, and I think what's oh, cool, too, the, the guys you mentioned of all of the artists throughout this whole quarantine thing, the Doobie Brothers have been, you know, not just some of the most prolific, but they've delivered really, I think, some of the most compelling performances. And this goes down to Michael McDonald as well. These yeah. guys stepped up and really created, uh, you know, wonderful videos based on, on classic hits and things where you saw them in their own environments. And yeah. a lot of artists did that, but I think the stuff the Doobies did um, really kind of led the way and sort of set the tone for how good it could be, what the standard was, you know? Yes, absolutely. piece with Peter Frampton on, on Let It Rain. I mean, they just keep coming out and it's, it's really fun. As much as I miss seeing them live, it's been a real treat to uh, watch them spread their wings, you know, via video. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a cool thing, isn't it? It's, it's a different side. And I think, it, yeah, that's one of the neat things to come out of this odd time. Well, it, it, it involves reinvention, too, because in particular, yeah. the version of Blackwater and listen to the music, it's different than the live versions because the dynamics are different. Very so different. they're coming up with things mm-hmm. that are bringing things out in the song that you may not hear in concert, you know? Yes, and exactly. You're, you're discovering new pieces within the pieces, I think, that are are just, you know, new, new little bits of music that you just didn't yeah. notice before. So it's been, again, that's that's the brighter side of the coin. So, all right, so this yeah. collection, you get this band together, you're ready to deliver this vocal off of a, one of your favorite records of all time. Are you feeling pressure at all when you're covering something like that? Do you have Carol King in your head when you're doing that? Absolutely, yes. Um, I always feel pressure when, I, when I'm recording something. Like there's, there's singing live, which is, this freeing feeling or practicing in my room, which is also very freeing. Um, but something about recording, um, because I think, you know, you've got your voice in your headphones and you're, you're trying to really nail it down. I always feel pressure recording, but particularly when you're recording a, a song that you, you know, this iconic song by this iconic artist, I think. Have you ever had a chance to meet her at all? I have not. Um, I gosh, I would love to meet her. I think she's just the coolest. I we did a show um, when I was singing backup for Don Henley. We did a show in Hyde Park um, where she performed after us, and it was I think summer 2016. So I, you know, I didn't meet her, but that was the closest I ever got. Um, yeah. Well, it's funny, too, because when, I mean, as you mentioned, in the 60s, in the Brill Building in New York, she was certainly one of the premier songwriters. Yes. But when her solo career comes of age, it's re- it really coincides with the Doobie Brothers. It's that, you know, 1971, 72, yeah. where these American artists are just, you know, erupting. And they're both kind of part of that same moment. If you had an AM radio back then, you know, you would hear It's Too Late against Listen to the Music. Yeah. And it was all part of that same time period. Definitely. Oh, I love that era of music. So good. Me too. Well, listen, why don't we listen? Why don't we, um, with your permission, why don't we play the song? I mean, let's, we've been talking about it for a while. Why don't we uh, give it to the people right now and let them hear just what a remarkable job all of you did on this. Oh, thank you so much. Aaron, if you have that queued up, why don't you let her play? Way over Is a place that I know where I can find shelter.
Wow. <laughs> How do, what's that like for you, Laura, listening to that? And you sit there and it's just sort of playing. And you realize what you did. Um, I just feel really, really blessed that I got to, you know, do something with those musicians who I admire so much and particularly on a song that I love so much. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's remarkable. I, I Again, I got the same goosebumps sitting here now listening to it as I did a couple of weeks ago when I first heard it. It's it's really wow. special. Thank and you're doing you a video much. for it as well? Yes. Yeah, the video will be coming very soon. Um, it is being edited by Rob Arthur, who's very talented guy who also- By the way, you mentioned Rob. Rob Arthur, those videos that I mentioned earlier yes. that the Doobies did and a bunch of others. Um, Rob, he's the keyboard player in, a, in a, another life with Peter Frampton, right? Kind yes. Of- Regular exactly. job, but he, Rob has emerged through this thing as video editor extraordinaire. Yes. He also did the Dave Mason um, feeling all right that your dad was in as well. He did. And, yeah, Rob's amazing. He's come up with uh, that's really kind of his look. All these videos, yeah, uh, is yeah. something he's developed, and I think he's done an incredible job with these guys of you know bringing out great performances and doing it in an editing style that just gives it such life. And uh, and just sense of fun each time out. Yes. So definitely, yes. Rob. Yeah, I love he's his doing your style. video. He he is. Yeah, he's really good. He is. Um, so I'm I'm very excited to see it and and share it soon. Definitely. People want to learn more about you, Laura. By the way, you've got a website, right? That we can steer them to, or what's the best way to kind of follow what you're doing? Sure. Yeah. Um. I I love Instagram. I think it's it's a great way to to um share stuff in a really personal and, and fun way. Um, so my Instagram handle is just my name, L-A-R-A-J-O-H-N-S-T-O-N. Um, and then also Facebook, facebook.com slash Laura Johnston Sings. And my website, as you said, um, laurajohnston.com. Um, yeah. When you release something like that, are there other songs you're putting around it? Like what's, what, how does it work today um, from a professional standpoint of putting something out there, drawing attention to it? Like what's the... How do you go about that today? I guess I am going to post it on all my platforms. Um, I thought about, you know, what can I do to to kind of make sure that this is seen? Because sometimes the algorithms are not in your favor. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, I'm thinking about it. I don't have anything concrete yet as far as how to kind of get more eyes on it um, and ears. Well, I think uh, it's the kind of thing where, you know, I can't imagine that not, I mean, I haven't seen the video, but the, but the song itself, your performance of it, I can't imagine that not attracting a lot of attention just on the strength of the performance. I mean, that's what's really, that's what's always going to win the day is the song, I think, over the video, right? And Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, if it, I just hope that, I hope it brings some joy and some catharsis and, Hopefully that that's that's what it'll do. Mm-hmm. You mentioned a couple of minutes ago. You said you were in Hyde Park, um, singing with Don Henley when Carol King had performed. You had been on the road with him for a bit as well, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, What's that like? That was amazing. He's such a pro, and and I. I would imagine that would be good a good experience. Yes, a really really good experience. I loved working with him. Obviously, his songs are just some of the best songs ever. So to get to to hear those and sing those um, and, and his band is wonderful. And, and he was a great boss. It was, it was a very, very cool experience. Um, loved traveling. Um, really grateful. I got to do it. Yeah. Funny enough that my, I have to give a shout out to my performance professor at USC. Will Hollis is how I got that gig. Um, and what a cool unexpected opportunity that I'm so grateful for. Have you done other kind of background singing roles like that? Yeah. Um, let me think. I, I sang backup for Belinda Carlisle for a couple gigs. Um, yeah. And there, but genuinely, actually, Dawn, Dawn is the most I've done it, like most consistently. Um, so between, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. What about going out? Um, I, now I saw you one night. It wasn't an official Doobie Brothers show, but it was in an event in Los Angeles. It was a charity that the guys were doing, Tom and Pat Simmons, and you got up and sang. Um, what's that been like? Have you had opportunities with the band in the course of your career um, to get up and, and, and do things or partake like that? Yes. Um, I, have, I have sung with them on occasion, which is always, always fun. Um, I was able to open 
for them um, on a couple tours, which was amazing experience. I think any chance to hone your stagecraft and sure. Um, Cause it's hard being the opener in, in any situation. And um, obviously I'm really lucky. I had those opportunities, but it's, it's tough to win over a crowd, especially when your target audience isn't necessarily the same. <laughs> um, well, too, and I think what's great about the band, to me, the Doobie Brothers have always had this kind of extended family um, sense, whether it's the band members or the crew or, or whatever. And Pat Simmons' son, Pat Jr., he'll, he's been out to yes. open play. And I love the fact that it's you're- wonderful. That, that the offspring that you all can have these opportunities, but that they're, they're organic and they're real. I mean, you're really good at what you do, you know, you and Pat. So when you get up there, it doesn't feel like anything other than young performers sort of earning their place on stage, you know? So it's got to have been fun. I know, you know, as a traveling sort of circus, a lot of you, the siblings sort of watched each other grow up right over the years. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Pat, he's, he's wonderful. He's so talented and, um, and it, it was really fun growing up all of the Juby kids and um, just, it, it does feel like a family. It does. And, and I don't mean to imply either that, you know, the audience was, was not welcoming because they really, you know, their fans are so kind and many of them have been so just amazingly supportive of, mm-hmm. of what I do. And, and I know of what Pat does as well, which is such a blessing. And, and I'm really grateful for that. Um, but yeah, it, it does. It does feel like a big family. Do you like being on the road? When you mentioned being on the road with Don Henley, you obviously knew what you were doing because you grew up in some sense of, you would go out on the road, right? As a kid, occasionally? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah what I was think- that like for you? Did you, I mean, again, that's as probably a different experience as any young person could experience. How did, how did you take to it? What did you think about it? Did you like it? I did like it. I love being on the road. I love the, the constant change and, um, you know, getting to go from city to city. I love exploring places that I've never been. That's got to be my favorite side benefit of being a musician is getting to see the, you know, different parts of the world, different parts of the country. And um, it's so eye-opening and it's so fun. Yeah. Well, again, it's a, it's a def- definitely a different kind of lifestyle. And I think to experience it um, the way you did, the way any, I always think about the, the, siblings or the uh, you know the offspring of, of rock stars when they're on the road it's a what a what a unique opportunity to be able to travel the world like that um, yes you know in a comfortable way to be surrounded by artists and music and things mm-hmm. that are, you know, especially if you're a singer yourself to have that always be around you yeah be a really nice feeling as well yeah definitely i i think um it's 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 this sort of gypsy lifestyle and and you know, where nothing is the same for too long. And, and I love that. Were there shows that you saw growing up, non Doobie Brothers shows that you remember standing out to you um, as being either inspirational from a performing standpoint or just something that you connected with? We've all got early concerts we went to, you know, that, that we think about today. Did you have a couple of those growing up that, that stand out to you today? I do. So I remember as as a kid, I went through a phase where I was very obsessed with the Backstreet Boys. It was <laughs> all about the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> and I just remember I went to see them, you know, kind of at their zenith. Um, and just, it was like this rush of adrenaline. And like, ju- I just remember being so excited and so and like my little brain was trying to be like oh he totally looked at me in that moment even though I was like miles away from the stage but like just feeling that kind of fan obsession and connection and it was such an exhilarating feeling um and yeah I loved I loved their show it was it was blast um I also saw uh Christina Aguilera and and Beyonce as Uh as a youngin and loved both of their shows and, and they're just the fire that each, I, I love performers that have that gift of, you know, really working the stage and commanding the show and, you know, such powerful performers. Um, and that, well, that, well and that's your dad too. I mean, obviously, you know, he's uh, in terms of the Doobie brothers, he and Pat have always had, I, I think a really nice balance on stage as front yes. men. But when it comes to being the forceful, you know, that that part of it, he's always kind of run with that ball, I think, and uh, and does it to this day really well. Yeah, he does. He does. He I, I love watching him perform and, and can appreciate it more now that, you know, 
I, I, it's different than just, oh, I'm just watching my dad. It's I watch him and I'm so blown away by, you know, his confidence on stage and his ability to make a show feel really, really exciting. And um, yeah, he's he's great. And I know he was very inspired by like when he was a kid and he saw James Brown and just that yeah. intensity and it's um, funny because that yeah he it's funny he describes that so vividly like it just happened. I know, right? Isn't that cool? I it's think that's amazing. You can tell that show, and he saw. Look, he saw everybody back then, right? But that one show stands out. I think it was in Fresno, kind of there in Central Valley where he grew up. And yeah. it's like when he's talking about it, he flashes back to the day of the show, and you can yeah. tell it really really left a mark um yeah. but moving forward okay so what happens now so hopefully spring into summer things start to thaw a little live music is you know is gonna obviously eventually uh get back to where it needs to be what do you envision yourself doing say in the next year or so what would you what would you like to be your your performing reality in the next year well i've been writing a lot during this quarantine year and um really hoping to put out some new music in the next year and um, definitely hoping to get back to performing and, and just that wonderful exhilarating rush of, of being on stage and, and getting to make music with, with great musicians. And um, yeah. And I, I think, I think my biggest goal always is to, is to keep evolving as, as an artist and ultimately find and release, you know, to have songs that I feel really, really capture the, the sound of the music that I love and, and that I want to kind of be my legacy. And um, yeah, legacies, maybe that's a bit of a weird. So you mentioned, you know, doing the, the Carol King cover that it, it definitely has sort of an application to what's happening today. And it feels thematic, you know, in terms of what people are going through. As a mm -hmm. writer, do you find yourself being affected by what's going on? I mean, does the environment today and what's going on specifically uh, affect what you're writing or are you able to separate it and sort of maybe even escape from it deliberately and make it totally unlike anything that's happening today? Yes, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, there's there's times when you you write because you, you can't help but be impacted by what's going on and and just feel so much sadness for, for what's happening and, and, and writing music becomes a very therapeutic way of, of dealing with that. Um, and then also I love, I'm a huge daydreamer and I love kind of just building worlds in my head that are fantastic and colorful. And um, so I, I love to do that as well in music to try to create something that feels like this fantastic escape. Um, so it's, yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, in terms of your desire to get back out in front of a live, live audience, as great as the online stuff is for everybody, there's still that connection of people in the room, right? I mean, no matter what you do, what you project, which is certainly warm and entertaining and all that, uh, at the end of the day, it's good to have people there as well, right? I know your dad, you know, the Doobies had a big tour planned. It'll happen next year, obviously. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But um, there's nothing like getting out, I guess, from your standpoint, just having bodies in the room. Yeah, it's it's such a wonderful kind of very fundamental human feeling of of being able to connect to other people, um, and of course I, I you know I would never want to push it before it's absolutely a hundred percent safe um, to do so. But I, I I'm very excited for that day when it is safe. I can't wait. Well, listen. As soon as the um, the video is ready, obviously everybody should go check out. I think your Instagram account is probably you have a lot of great content on there. If people want to see the videos you've done the last few months, they're all there, right? Yes, definitely. Yeah, and they're, and they're great. They're they're so entertaining. And again, beyond just the great music, I think the dynamic between you and and your dad is uh, is really special. And you can see the generations between you. And, and the way you riff off each other, I think, is really, especially when you're both playing guitar. I think that, that <laughs> to me, is when it really comes together. That's when it really feels seamless and, and the most joyous, you know. So everybody should go check those out. Laura, in the meantime, I've really enjoyed this. I mean, uh, me congratulations on your new, I guess what's a new single, you could call it, in the upcoming <laughs> video. It's wonderful. You should be really proud. I'm sure the guys in the band were, were really happy to, to be involved in something that cool. So. Oh, that, we'll just keep looking forward to what you're doing and helping to spread the word. Okay. Thank you so much, Chris. I really admire what you do. And it's, it's a huge honor to, to talk to you and be on your oh, show. 
Thank you. Listen, right back at you. It's my pleasure. Nothing but uh, respect and support for what you're doing. This has been Laura Johnston. I'm Chris Epting, and I thank you for listening to The Moment this week. We'll see you next week. Thank you for taking a moment out of your busy week to join us for The Moment. Be sure to join Chris Epting for another edition every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week.